Thank you, Father God, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your word is powerful, it's mighty. Lord Jesus, we've come here today to change our minds to what is already changed. Thank you, Jesus, that you fully redeemed us on the cross. You've done everything. And so, Lord, I pray for each person today that we'd open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, that you'd have your way. Yeah, thank you, God. Bless each person. May we receive what you want. doesn't matter what I say. Holy Spirit, have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can grab a seat now. The title of my message this morning is, Are We There Yet? Have you ever been on a long car trip with your kids and literally, yeah, we go to Ballina regularly, that's a long car trip, literally in the first few minutes, the kids ask, are we there yet? Anyone been on that car trip? Yeah. Well, I'd love you to watch this clip just for a minute. more to that. We're just getting into the funny part. Do we have more FX people? All right, hit it. Are we there yet? Not yet. Hey, are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? Yes. Really? No. Are we there yet? No! Are we there yet? No, we are not! Are we there yet? No! Are we there yet? Are we there yet? yet? Hey, that's, hey, not, that's funny. not funny. Hey, that's really immature. That's really immature. See, this is why, this nobody, is why likes nobody likes ogres. All right, you're All lost. All right, you're lost. I'm gonna just stop talking. Finally. But this is taking forever. Shrek, and ain't no in-flight movie or nothing. The kingdom of far, far away, donkey, that's where we're going. Far, far away. All right, all right, I get it. I'm just so darn bored. Well, find a way to entertain yourself. not be yourself for five minutes! Ah! Are we there yet? Yes! Oh! Alright, hit him! Hit him up! Hit him Can you relate to that? Do you have someone in the car who does noises like that? Life's a journey, right? Do you like that analogy? I don't really like that analogy because for an inner journey you get in the car, let's say you're going from Sydney to Coffs Harbour, you just go there. Maybe a few toilet stops, you have a meal break. But life is more like this, isn't it? It's kind of like all over the place. It's not this nice, clean journey. But 
We all know the analogy. Maybe you're not an ogre. I don't see any ogres in here this morning. And maybe you're not riding in an uh, onion-shaped carriage to the kingdom of far, far away. But sometimes that journey can seem so long, can it? Anyone been there? Ben kind of alluded to that in the giving time. So just like donkey, we start asking ourselves, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And maybe you have a thorn in your flesh. Don't look at the person sitting next to you. An issue in your life that really annoys and frustrates you or maybe it's really painful and you just wish it to disappear like donkey with his donkey noises. God could take it away, but he doesn't in his wisdom. I love what Ray said last week. I've got a few uh, Ray quotes. Hope he doesn't charge royalties. Could get expensive. You can pay that, Steve. Last week he said, what God could prevent in his power, he permits in his wisdom. It's true, isn't it? Oh, I don't like that. It's painful, but it's true. Instead, sometimes he allows us to go through. He could deliver us from, but we have to go through. And it's because he wants us to know that his grace is enough, right? Because his power is made perfect in our weakness. I'd rather be delivered. Anyone like to go through? I'd rather be delivered from, but... So here's the thing I have for you today. I wonder if, the, if in the anticipation and the excitement of the destination, we miss what God is doing right now, right here, right now in this moment. What is God saying to you right now? Do we miss the wonder of God's presence? Cleopas and his friend were on the road to Emmaus. We read about this in Luke 24. And Jesus comes and speaks with them. He actually opens up the scriptures and he's walking with them, walking, walking, walking for miles and miles. And they're kept from recognising him. They don't realise it's Jesus until they get to their destination and Jesus actually breaks bread and they recognise it's Jesus. What's interesting is that in the Old Testament, bread actually represents the presence of God. Wow. So it's not till he breaks bread they realise it's Jesus. Of course, we can be like that too. Jesus is with us and we're asking, where is he? Maybe not up here, but in here. So maybe the journey is not about the destination at all. There's a thought for you. Maybe it's actually about getting to know Jesus on the journey. What's happening right now? The longest trip I've ever taken took about a year. That's a long time, isn't it? I went with my mum, my dad, my big brother Peter, my little brother Nick, who we went to the US. So we jumped on a plane and uh, we stopped in Fiji. That was pretty awesome, in Hawaii. Then we landed in Sacramento. We were there for about six months. Dad lectured at the uni there and I went to school. So that was pretty uh, good fun. The first day of school, Hemi Hamster had disappeared into a hole in the wall. And uh, I was wondering, uh, is this hamster real? He finally appeared three days later. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to have hamsters in Australia, which is pretty sad, isn't it? They were pretty gorgeous. So then summer, of course, came, which in America is in June. And then we spent the next six months travelling all over the US in a motorhome. And we saw almost every state in the US of A, which is pretty amazing because there's 50 of them. So it was pretty cool. Here's the thing, it was the best year of my childhood. So if you've got kids and you can travel, I encourage you to do it. It's so good. 
I love that year. The thing is, I never remember asking, are we there yet? I kind of never knew where we were anyway and where we were going. So it didn't really matter, but the wonder of the moment had me completely captivated. So I didn't really care if we're there. We were here, and that was good enough. And I was thinking about all the amazing things that I saw. I saw redwood trees big enough to drive through, which is pretty cool. I saw the Grand Canyon in the snow, which was beautiful. I saw a sparse desert in Arizona with this really tall cacti. And we saw our roadrunners. And roadrunners are these little birds. They're not these great tall ostrich things like Warner Brothers. I was pretty disappointed about that, but that's all right. Got over that. We uh, rode a paddle steamer in Missouri. We went through the Maid of the Mist, through Niagara Falls. Anyone done that? Pretty cool. Lots of people. Rode on a roller coaster at Disneyland. We met some amazing people. We met Amish people, Hopi Indians, Southerners and New Yorkers. We uh, kind of ate our way around the US. That was before paleo. So that was good. Uh, we chowed down on hot dogs, cheeseburgers, enchiladas, squirrel. Yes, I've eaten squirrel. You can ask me about that later on. I didn't want to. I was kind of made to. Because we kept seeing these little squirrels run up trees. I don't want to eat one. Why would you want to do that? We ate hominy grits. I don't recommend that. Uh, Creole, crawfish, the real Kentucky fried chicken. Pumpkin pie, cherry pie. The Americans love pie. And ice cream sundaes big enough to swim in. I remember one day, Mum and I both ordered ice cream sundaes. Mum didn't finish hers, but I finished mine. Man, did I feel sick after that. Whoa. The thing is, I, I loved it so much, I never asked that question, are we there yet? Because I was captivated by the moment as this young, wandering, wandering, wide-eyed girl. So I want to ask you, what is Jesus doing in your life right now? What, is he wanting, what does he want to say to you right now? Maybe you're asking that question, what's it all about? What if it's not so much about where we're going, but who we're going with? What if it's not so much about where you're going, but what you learn on the way? I love what John Lennon said. This is on a slide. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. It's true, isn't it? So you're here today and the things that have happened in your life. Maybe you had a bad accident and it changed your life forever. Maybe you received a medical diagnosis that you didn't want to hear. Maybe a relationship broke down and your whole world turned upside down. Maybe you're working in a job. It might be a job you love, but it wasn't what you planned. Things happen. They're not part of our grand plan. But they are part of the tapestry of our lives, aren't they? So we can't deny it. We can't change it. We can't run away from it. What I've learned is that God has a way of getting the most out of every moment in our lives. Not a single moment in our lives is wasted in God's economy. I love what Alicia Britt Chowley says. She says this, Hidden years are filled with his treasures if we have eyes to see them. It's true, isn't it? 
I love what Paul says in Romans 8.28. This was the first scripture I ever memorised and it's one that comes up all the time. Again, this is on a slide. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So that's all things, not some things, all things. God works for our good and his glory. So he can take those dark times, the mess that we make, maybe the mess we find ourselves in that we didn't make, and he can turn it into good. How good is that? So last week, Ray shared some amazing truths. If you, uh, if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to watch the podcast. They're amazing. On Sunday, you talked about faith versus believing. So um, just, Beck, if you can put up the next slide, that'd be really cool. So do you remember last week Ray talked about this? Did you understand it all? Maybe. <laughs> we'll unpack some of it today. So we receive revelation, a rhema word in our spirit, from the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's when you're at home reading the Bible. Maybe it's when you're listening to a podcast. Maybe it's when you're singing a Bethel song. Maybe it's just when you're doing something really normal like walking the dog. So it's a rhema word, it's a fresh word, manna from heaven. And we receive it in our spirit. And that's like the fanatic in the attic. So that's, that's kind of the great part, that's the fun part, that's the easy part. Here's the challenge. I might receive it in my spirit, but do I believe it in my heart? It has to go from the fanatic in the attic to the feller in the cellar, as Ray said. So it's kind of easy to receive a revelation on Sunday when Mikey's on the drums, you know, the uh, smoke machine's pumping out. We don't have one of those today. When, when Ben's preaching, whatever's happening. But how about on Monday when someone says something unkind to you, someone cuts you off in the traffic, someone parks in your spot, you get to the doctor, doctor's office and they say something you do want to hear. Do I actually believe that revelation that I got on the Sunday? Because that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? As Ray said, we don't rule our believing. Our believing rules us, which is true. What do I believe in that dark room in the heart when it's just me? No Judas Smith preaching to me. As Ray says, and if you just pop that diagram back up again, Revelation is always married to situation, otherwise it's just imagination. In other words, we need that situation to prove the revelation to be true. It's when the rubber hits the road. Put another way, um, I, mean, I used to do, I used to study graphic design and um, at uni we learnt how to develop our own photos, which is really cool. Anyone else done that? It's pretty cool. So Ray talked a bit about this. How do you turn a negative into a positive? You take that neg, you put it in larger, you enlarge it. But everyone knows that that piece of photographic paper has to go through the acid bath. In other words, that's where we turn that negative into a positive in the hard times. Anyone like the acid bath? No one likes the acid bath. So I want to share with you today two promises that have been really important to me on my journey, two things that have become more than just a revelation in my spirit, 
but something that I know in my heart. And Ray talked about this. We have to apply the cross to these things, don't we? It's in the hard times when by choice we either choose to believe it's true or not. So I don't know what your journey looks like. I don't know what's ahead for you. God does. But I do know this. First of all, God is with you. He is with you. It seems so basic, doesn't it? Perhaps you could title this message, The Power of God's Presence, or Practicing God's Presence. Here's the thing, sometimes we feel God's presence. Maybe you feel him on a Sunday. Sometimes we don't. But the truth is, he's here with us, whether we believe it or not. God's very existence is not on hold, waiting for a confirmation from my senses. Isn't that good to know? He is the unchanging, eternal, self-existent one who was and is and is to come. He doesn't change. His presence doesn't change. So we could all say that theoretically we believe God is with us. But do we really believe it? Hebrews 13 and 5, you probably know this verse well. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, what does it say? Let's read it together. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And if we go on to the next uh, slide, in the Amplified it says, For he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I'm going on to the next one. Nor will I in any degree leave you helpless. That's good to know, isn't it? Nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. How good is that to know? That's right. Exclamation mark. So one of my memories in America is of my big brother Peter and I running off to the playground. So um, as soon as Dad would pull into the campground, he'd kind of tear off. We had all that energy and enthusiasm. And I'm sure our parents were happy to let us run off for a while. And our favourite piece of play equipment was a seesaw. It probably looked something like this. Pop up the next slide. <coughs> Back in the days we lived dangerously. Anyone remember those days? <coughs> so often a seesaw was just a plain piece of wood. It might be a log like this or a flat plank. Didn't have any handles on it. Do you remember that? And you'd pile on. You could pile all the cousins on so long as you evenly weighed it. You could fit three kids on each end. So they were wood, which guaranteed um, you could get a splinter in your raw hide, as Donkey would say. And... Um, there was no soft fall underneath. Under, don't even know if it had been invented, had it? I don't know. There was just hard dirt. No, not grass, because the grass was worn out. Or big chunks of gravel that could get stuck in your elbow or your head. That was nice. Anyway, <clears throat> so Peter, having read the book, Things Our Big Brothers Do to the Little Sisters, you know that book. Hands up if you're a big brother. No, don't put your hand up. So after about 10 minutes of going up and down, up and down, up and down, you know what's coming, don't you? 
he would uh, he'd look at me with this evil look in his eye and he'd go, okay, bye, Floss. And then he would just jump off the seesaw so I would be up, he'd be down, and he'd tear off like a rabbit back to the motorhome. And I would just go, doing. Which I kind of learnt after a while, don't clench your teeth, don't clench your teeth. <laughs> I love Peter. I have forgiven him since we have discussed these things. He admitted a few years ago, which was very freeing, he said, I was a terrible big brother to you, wasn't I? And I was like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's all right. That's what brothers do. Here's the thing. God won't do that. He will not run off and leave you hanging. He won't leave you sitting on that seesaw and take off. God has got a hold on you. He's got you. Do you believe that? He actually has. You don't need to hold on to God. He's got a hold on you. Some of us are thinking, I just need to hang on. If I can just hang on to God, you don't need to do that. He's got you. I love what the Passion Translation, how it translates this verse. It says, and I will not loosen my grip on your life. How good is that? Sometimes I feel like I'm, do you ever feel like you're dangling over a cliff? You're just hanging there? Because sometimes you do, don't you? Guess what? God has got you. He's not going to let you go. He's not. He is good. We've been singing about that this morning. You might be familiar with John 15, 5. We often look at this scripture. It says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. So that's Jesus speaking to the disciples. He's the vine, we're the branches. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So again, this is a reminder. God is holding you up. He won't let you down. And here's the thing. We're actually little olive branches, wild olive branches. You guys look pretty wild this morning. And we are grafted in. And here's the thing about grafting. If you look under a microscope at a branch, a vine, and a branch that's been grafted into the vine, it sends out these tiny little shoots as kind of a feeble attempt to hang on to the vine. What we don't realise, the real secret of grafting is that the vine with a much greater force takes hold of the branch and holds it up. So it's not about us doing the work. Christ has already done it. All it is is us aligning ourselves with what Jesus has already done on the cross for you, for me. So what gets us through this really tough season, what gets us through the tough seasons in life? The knowledge is holding us up. A number of years ago, a very dear loved friend of mine was diagnosed with a very serious disease and we prayed and we prayed we asked Jesus to heal her, but he had different plans. By the way, he didn't make her sick. Instead, he took her through the veil and home to be with him. I told myself I wouldn't get upset. <laughs> and in that time, at a touching heaven service, I went forward for prayer. Because I actually didn't know if I could do this journey with my friend because it was so emotionally overwhelming for me. I was filled, as we all were, with feelings of sadness and disappointment. And I didn't tell the people who were praying for me 
what I was asking for prayer for. And the lovely Kathy Koopman and Pam, who's not here today, prayed for me. So Kathy was standing here, Pam was standing here, but I felt a third person come and stand behind me, put their hand on my shoulder. So that night when I got home, I asked Steve, who was the third person who prayed for me? Because he was sitting right where he is now. And um, he said, there was no one. It was just Kathy and Pam. I said, no, no, someone walked up, put their hand on my shoulder, was right there with me. No, no, there was no one else. So I asked him a third time, does anyone else do that with their husband? <laughs> Don't like the answer the first two times. No, were you paying attention? There was clearly someone came up, put their hand on my shoulder, prayed. I said, no, there wasn't anyone. I realised that was Jesus. And his presence was so real that I could feel that. And I don't know what Kathy and Pam prayed for, for me. I have no idea. But I do know I heard these words, I am with you. And that's what got me through that season. It was, it was a revelation that had to go from my spirit, the fanatic in the attic, to the fellow in the cellar, to my heart. Praise God. He's with you in the hard time. He's there. He won't let you go. What gave Moses the courage to go and speak to the Pharaoh, the guy with the big hat, in the royal palace and say, let my people go? It was the knowledge that I am who I am is with me. What did David write in Psalm 23? Even though... I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yet will I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Hallelujah. What did Jesus say in the, in the Great Commission? It's in Matthew 28. We know the first bit of it, but we hardly ever remember the second bit, the last bit. Jesus says, and he's saying this to us today, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Do you know the next bit? And surely, everyone says surely, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I love discipling people. But it's not discipling them into me because I'm just a human being like you, a fallen human being. But when we disciple people, and we're all called to do this, by the way, every single person is meant to be a discipler, how do we do it? Because we know that Jesus walks with us. We are pointing another to another. We're pointing a person to Jesus. So the same Jesus that's in me is in you. As I disciple people, I'm praying, God, help me. I don't know what to say to this person this morning. Guess what? Jesus turns up. He answers that prayer because he knows. He wants you to disciple people even more than you do. So he's there with us. That's what we're doing. We're pointing people to Jesus. He is with you. This is a revelation that I've had to, to learn in my heart. In May this year... I was diagnosed with a rare condition, yay me. 
called subglottic stenosis. That's a big word. You can look it up. You can Google it. I don't suggest you do. What it basically is is scar tissue was growing in my trachea below my vocal flaps. It took over a year to be diagnosed, and I probably had it for about three years. Now, I have a bit of, um, I'm just going to confess this to you guys, you won't tell anyone, a bit of white coat syndrome. I don't really like doctors. Sorry if there's any doctors here. Don't like going to doctor's offices. Anyone else like that? Yeah, that's right. There's a few of us. Um, but I'm praying that I'll be delivered of that. And actually, I started praying that before I was even diagnosed, which is interesting. So this condition was very restrictive. And it got to the point where I couldn't climb a flight of stairs without feeling like I was going to hit the ground halfway up. Talking was difficult, which is probably good for Steve, but <laughs> not good for me. Finally, uh, on June 17th, the, year be uh, the day before Steve's birthday, I had surgery and a dilation of my trachea. But the only thing that got me through that was knowing God is with me. When I went into that surgery and they wheeled me away, I would have liked to take Steve and my teddy bear, Rufus. They didn't let Steve in. They didn't let Rufus in. But it was okay because God was with me, right? God is with us and it's tested. Do we believe that in the dark room of our lives? My second promise is simply this. And this is the big one. God is with us and he is enough. Christ is enough. Do you believe that? We sing it. Christ is enough for me. But do I actually believe it? Do I believe it? Hmm. Have you ever prayed something like this? God, I know that you're with me. But if I could just have that good looking boy over there, I'd be so much happier. Would you? I don't know. <laughs> if only I had my health back, I'd be happy. I feel like not consciously, but subconsciously I kind of prayed that. If only I had my health back. Guess what? Christ is enough. If only I had a bit more money, I'd be happy. Would you really? Would you? It's a question that we all have to ask at regular junctions in our lives. Is Christ enough? When we feel hurt by a friend, Christ, are you enough? When we didn't get that promotion at work, Christ, are you enough? When your best friend is dying of cancer, Christ, are you enough? When the bill's stacking up and you wonder if you can pay them, Christ, are you enough? When we remember our mistakes from the past, Christ, are you enough? When we go to our next health check and it's not what we wanted, it's not what we were hoping for, it's not what we were praying for, Christ, are you enough? Again, another raism. I love this. Never doubt in the dark what you found out in the light. Never doubt in the dark what you found out in the light. Here's the truth. No matter what you may feel, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Christ is my life. 
Christ is my joy. Christ is my peace. Christ is my health. Christ is my victory. Christ is my eternal salvation. He is enough. We have come to change our minds to what is already changed. Jesus' work on the cross is finished. It was his final words to us. It is finished. We can't add anything to that. We don't need to and we couldn't anyway. It is finished. The full price paid for our redemption. We are complete in Christ. Nothing lacking. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. He didn't forget something important. He put it all in there. He doesn't forget. He doesn't have a bad day. Oh, I forgot to put that in, Steve. Oh, what was I thinking? Sorry, I need to pick on you. I forgot to put that in, Felicity. No, no. You're complete in Christ. In Christ. Is Christ enough? Yes, he's actually more than enough. He is the God of overflow. In the miracle of the bread and the fish, there were leftovers. He's the God of more than. Life's journey will have you speeding around a bend in your little red Corvette. Anyone old enough to remember that song? Don't put your hand up. Or whatever car you like. Running straight into a scenario that you never saw. You didn't write it in the script for your life. It's now. We've all had that, right? Things happen. We didn't plan them. Guess what will get you through that? The knowledge that he's with you. He is enough. He's with you. He's enough. He's with you. He is enough. Are we there yet? Have we arrived? How will you know when you've arrived? When had Jesus arrived? Was it when he was there at the creation of the universe? Was that when he'd arrived? Was it when he came to the earth as a little baby? Was that when he'd arrived? If the worship team wants to come up and join me, that'd be great. Was it when he performed his first miracle, when he turned water into wine? Was that when he'd arrived? Was it when he began his public ministry? Was that when he'd arrived? Was it when he was baptised in the River Jordan? Was that when he'd arrived? Was it when he hung on a cross? Was it when he rose again? Was it when he appeared to the disciples in the upper room? Was it when he ascended to heaven? Was it when he spoke to me in an audible voice when I was in my motor home in 1977? Was it when he first spoke to you? When had Jesus arrived? When have you arrived? Are we there yet? Maybe we've been asking the wrong question all along. Maybe the question we should be asking is, God, what do you want me to learn right now? Maybe we need to stop asking questions. I kind of, I'm a thinker, I ask lots of questions. Poor Steve. I've kind of stopped asking God questions, not all the time, but maybe we just need to stand in his presence and thank him. Thank him. Thank you, God. You're with me. Thank you, Lord. You are enough. Just as we finish this morning, I'd love to pray with you. Thank you, God. 
Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence with us right now. Whether we feel you or not, we thank you, God, that you're here. Thank you, Lord, your plans for us are good, plans to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your ways are beyond us. We will never understand them and we don't pretend to. But we trust you, God. We trust you. You're a good God. You're a, you're a wonderful heavenly dad. God, we thank you that you're with us. You're not just with us. If we've invited you into our hearts, you're in us. Lord, we, we confess this today. You are enough. You're enough, God. You've given us everything that we need. We find it all in you. And we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen.